The CAEH Training and Technical Assistance Program is a nonprofit consulting service with a mission to end homelessness. Their goal is to support and accelerate an end to homelessness by providing high quality, accessible, affordable, evidence-based coaching, training, and technical assistance. Choose from established and proven trainings or have something tailored specifically to meet your needs. Visit training.caeh.ca to book your consultation or training today. Meet their dedicated and friendly trainers and find out how you can end homelessness in your community once and for all at training.caeh.ca. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am Michael Braithwaite from Blue Door. And as always, I am joined by the wonderful Stefania from the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness. Stefania, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing today? Nice. I don't know. That sounded like a strained good, understandable <laughs> uh, in these times that we have. Uh, you know, listen, I was privileged enough to get my vaccine yesterday and i have to tell you i think i told you already i didn't even feel it so maybe she didn't give it to me but i'm hoping she did and there were no side effects from any of that astrazeneca so um i listen i can see that light it's at the end of the tunnel especially for our most vulnerable um so hey let's get excited Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait uh, until everyone and everyone is vaccinated twice. Um, I think it's it's going really well in BC. You know, there's unfortunately it seems to be as well as the vaccines are going, uh, our numbers are going up as well. So hopefully, we're there's a point where it comes to a head and the vaccines can just like override it all. Yeah. And I saw that, and just uh, when you said hopefully it's going well, that's had a more like a question, but for the longest time, I mean, in Toronto, we've been in a shutdown, I don't know, mm-hmm. since March, um, and, and the numbers just kept holding steady yeah. around that. And and they have very slowly started to drop with the whole province shut to sit lockdown. So so let, here, here's hoping it continues that way. And it, it's been quite quite an effort. But yes, we are, we are on our way forward to something great. And speaking of something great, we have not one, but two um, amazing and brilliant guests that are coming to the show today. Do you want me to tell you about them? I can't wait. All right. <laughs> Pins and needles. Um, first, I'm going to introduce uh, Melissa Stable. She is the director of CHF Canada and a board member of the community of Community Affordable Housing Solutions. So Melissa is the manager of cooperative housing development for CHF Canada, uh, based in Toronto. I think she's based in Ottawa now. We just had that conversation. The role was created to assist housing co-ops to leverage their real estate assets to increase their inventory in Canada. Hmm. And that gives us a little insight as to what we'll be talking about. Uh, Housing co-ops play a unique part in the housing ecosystem. Absolutely, with 250,000 plus Canadians benefiting the first wave of co-op housing to date. New models, strategic investments, and all types of partnerships are required to build affordable housing. Couldn't agree more in today's environment. Melissa brings complementary, multidisciplinary skills 
from architecture, sustainability, and real estate development to her work. Wow. And she brings with her a Bachelor of Architectural Studies from Carleton, uh, hence the Ottawa connection. Uh, Melissa holds both an intern architect IA designation with the AIBC and a project management professional PMP credential from the Project Management Institute. Through her unique approach, she has gained a reputation for creative team engagement with community volunteers and professionals alike. I'm going to have to ask her about if if um, their accreditation, that's the one with all the, the, the colors. And it always reminded me of like jiu-jitsu or something when they said, do you have your belt, this color or whatever, but she must have a black belt uh, in PMP. Uh, and joining her is Josh Bernard, uh, the Vice President of Real Estate Development at Habitat GTA, and also a board member of Community Affordable Housing Solutions. Josh, after a number of years working in residential construction, um, he realized that he wanted to devote his career to affordable housing space, and we're glad he did. This led him to become the founder and program director of the Sustainable Housing Initiative, operating out of the Rural Development Network. He then turned his ideas into impact, growing the organization into a 50-member team that oversaw the development of multiple affordable housing projects worth over $80 million, recognized he, recognized two, uh, he was recognized in 2018 as one of Alberta's top 40 under 40, and he's number one here on the podcast. Joshua's creative problem-solving skills, relationship-focused work, and passion for making a difference led him to his job at Habitat for Humanity in the GTA in 2019. And that is where I met him, and uh, Blue Door's been working with Habitat in a pretty cool partnership, um, and I, I just love the way his mind works. Very creative different, innovative, uh, loves the challenge. So Melissa and Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, super excited. It's actually funny that that you've worked with Joshua because the CAH, we're starting to partner with CHF, Can CHF Canada on some really exciting stuff that's coming up that I'll be able to talk about more in the coming weeks. Um, and I also lived in a co-op for six years. Uh, so I love cooperatives and uh, big, big fan. So I think we just have two amazing guests with great backgrounds today. Um, Melissa, if I can start with you, can you tell us more about the work of the CHF? Uh, Josh, same question about Habitat GTA, but uh, Melissa, let's start with you. Thank you. Yes, so, so uh, CHF Canada is a member service and advocacy organization for housing co-ops um, with over 50 years of experience. It was founded in 1968. And generally, we help Canada's housing co-ops manage their money and look after their buildings. Uh, we participate in a family of co-op and housing management enterprises that include property insurance, property management, reserve fund investment, land development, among other things. So um, as well, it's a sort of federated system. So we partner with the local federations who work on a regional level and together we find ways to celebrate co-op communities. So we provide grant, grants for environmental sustainable uh, sustainability initiatives, gardening awards, scholarships, bulk buying, education um, for board governance, like provide uh, services of meeting, chairing meetings and conflict resolution. So there's a whole range of activities in the ways that the federations support housing cooperatives to thrive. 
Um, I will I will just share a story because you know we are we are in this pandemic uh, environment and we've had to really adapt and assist our members to uh, virtual meeting platforms and we found even more ways to celebrate uh, how resilient the co-op communities are in helping one another through these tough times. So um, just just a story in 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 Toronto I um, I heard from a member. And um, they've been finding ways, artists have been finding ways to uplift one another um, in this, this particular co-op. Um, the, the members would meet outside at a safe distance in a park and join each other's voices in song. And the impact that this had on that particular community, using arts to uplift, uplift and build community and help each other get through um, in this time. I mean, that's just one of many incredible stories of things that are happening in co-op communities uh, across, across the country. So, um, you know, co-op communities can provide these type of social safety nets um, for people. Um, neighbors get to know one another through making collective uh, decisions. So, you know, beyond the sort of money and building management, the work of the federations is really to help and share, sh highlight and promote these stories, share these stories, um, promote the model and support our co-op communities. Yeah, and uh, so in terms of Habitat GTA, um, we're one of uh, 1400 affiliates uh, worldwide, originally, uh, uh, founded by by a couple um, back in the 1970s out of uh, southern U.S. Um, and I think the key thing is, you know, we have a, a vision in which um, we want the world to be a place where everybody has safe and decent place to live. Um, the way we do that is through um, largely through home ownership, um, but each affiliate across Canada and across the world is is actually does it a little bit differently. Um, and here in the GTA, we've we've uh, we've been doing it kind of through mobilizing volunteers and community um, to help lower income families build strength, stability, and self reliance through affordable home ownership. And um, I think the key, the three key things that I kind of focus on in my day to day is, is how do we actually get access to the real estate uh, uh, to build these affordable home ownership units? And we do that through three different kind of uh, uh, buckets. Uh, one is where we buy and uh, per, buy and build our own our own uh, housing with volunteers. Um, so we we go through the development process on our own. Um, the other one is where we partner with developers, um, and then we have this third pillar, which I've loved to play in, which is kind of other innovative ways to further our mission and and vision. So um, that's how we've kind of wound up, uh, or how I've wound up being a part of. Uh, CAS, which is um, Community Affordable uh, Housing Solutions, um, and and working with you, Michael, and and you, Melissa. So, um, uh, lots of things ahead for Habitat um, in terms of how we're trying to uh, address housing need in, in not just the GTA but across Canada. Yeah, I mean, Habitat has done some incredible uh, pivots in the last few years, and and. It's, uh, it's been noted along with a lot of amalgamation across the, the GTA, which is fantastic. Um, listen, on this show, we're always looking at new and, new and innovative ways to create affordable and sustainable housing. Today, we want to talk about land trusts. That, that will be our focus and their role. Melissa, listen, let's think about this. 
uh, in the simplest of terms, if I was to invite you, or if you're invited to a class of grade eights to talk about land trust, how would you explain them? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna test this with some of the eighth graders in my life with the with the podcast afterwards and see if they have any interest um, in 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 how I describe this. But but you really set out a challenge there because because without the sort of technical jargon and the and the acronyms and everything that are associated when you're kind of embedded, how do you talk about land trusts um, in its simplest way? So a land trust buys land for the benefit of the people who live and work in the cities and neighborhoods where they operate. Um, it's a partnership model for sure. We're definitely stronger working together and it provides housing security to people at all income levels. It provides affordable housing forever. There is no future profit margin baked, in, baked into it. So the land trust functions to protect and preserve affordable housing that we have to build partnerships among levels of government, community developers, cooperative, not-for-profit and charitable organizations, as well as the private sector. So together we can work to buy land and buildings as well as build new housing. Um, I'm gonna share a story because sometimes that really helps to really illustrate what, what it is we're talking about here. And the history of land use is really relevant to why this is important. Um, but I won't get into too many isms here. Um, I'll just share the story. So New Communities was organized by people who were looking to combat land loss and displacement of black communities in Southern Georgia. It has been said that among the leaders was a, cous a cousin of Reverend Martin, Martin Luther King Jr. So they organized a cooperatively managed farm and residential community on 6,000 acres in Albany, Georgia. So this is the creation story of land trusts in the US. They are rooted in the US civil rights movement of the 1960s. Today, there's more than 300 community land trusts in the US. And here in Canada, there's about 30 land trusts with new, um, new land trusts emerging as this model gains popularity. So the land trust is a proven way for community developers to steward housing assets and serve people who live in our cities, regardless of their income. I think that passes that, that grade eight test. I, I mean, even I understand that. Josh, do you have any comments to, to add? No, that, that, I think that summed up really well. Perfect. Yeah, that even I understood that and that's saying a lot too. So I, I, I guess I, my next question then is, you know, why are land, land trust established versus other types of um, housing solutions such as real estate investment trusts? Um, what are the advantages? So um, I think, you know, I think the first thing is to differentiate um, a land trust versus a, a REIT um, or even a social purpose REIT. Um, the way that I like to think about REITs are is they're a, a vehicle in which um, an investor or an individual can um, uh, participate in the real estate market uh, and get a return. So it's almost like impact investing. So it's a, it's a mechanism or a vehicle for impact investing. When you So really what you're talking about is wh whether it's a, re a regular REIT or a social purpose REIT, uh, social purpose REITs are just saying, hey, let's take money and invest it in, um, um, in you know, good. 
uh, versus a, a land trust or a community land trust is really, again, as Melissa had flagged, um, it's about owning units in perpetuity for the benefit of the community, as opposed to the benefit of a corporation, an individual, or an investor. Um, I, the one thing I will flag, though, is you know you hear um, um, land trust, uh, and the word trust is actually a bit of a, euph a euphemism, um, uh, and it's actually not a, a, a legally a trust. It just it just means that it's held in, in, in uh, uh, held in the uh, held for the benefit of the future uh, generations. So, um, you know, when we talk about CAS, which is um, the, the land trust that uh, Melissa and I are involved in, it's a sector-led land trust, and um, uh, um, and it's it's one that is just a nonprofit, a, a federally incorporated nonprofit organization. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project, or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we know that REITs too are um, something that's been in hot debate as well right now as far as like financialization of the market and uh, making housing more unaffordable. Melissa, do you, do you have any comments? I think Josh did a great job with that question, so I'll leave that. But just on just on your last point, um, I think it's important to understand that, uh, and you know, Habitat works a lot with um, the private sector and and uh, institutional um, uh, partners. And you know, when I look at REITs or or um, uh, private developers, um, a lot of them, the good ones, are operating within the, the boundaries of um, uh, the policy that exists. Um, and I also think there's a really there's a huge opportunity now more than ever to engage the private sector uh, and private capital in um, building more affordable housing. So it's something that outside of you know CAS um, or actually even within CAS, we are having conversations with a number of um, uh, whether it's a REIT or a private developer or institutional investors on how we can work together to solve the issue while still uh, they can meet their um, organizational objectives. Well said, well said. Listen, uh, the private sector, I think, has probably built 98% of the affordable housing that's out there, other than uh, uh, both your, your organizations contributing to affordable housing. So we, we absolutely have to work with them. It's what makes the news, right, with, with REITs. Uh, you, you Like anything, it's always the, the problem child that gets the attention, not all the people doing great work. Uh, and speaking of great work, um, listen, uh, well, I'm jumping ahead here. I'm going to take a step back. So hold off on that. Um, land trusts aren't new, right? They've been around for a while. Um, and there's been some hugely successful ones. I'm wondering if you can highlight some of them that are working really well, Melissa. Sure. I, I love to talk about land trusts. So so very happy to share, share the successes of, of some of the land trust models here in Canada. 
Um, so our local federation partners, uh, both in, in Vancouver and in Toronto, have a long history of involvement with the land trust movement. So in, in BC, the community land trust out there um, is a sector-based land trust model and has had tremendous success. Um, they created a pipeline for development of 2,600 new affordable homes, including the spectrum of not-for-profit rental and uh, co-op and affordable home ownership. So adding this to their existing portfolio of about 2,000 completed homes, um, and the majority of those 2,000 um, that have already been completed were developed and constructed since 2012, where they had sort of a breakthrough moment in their partnership creation. So at this scale, this is a proven vehicle for, the, for growth and for social enterprise. Uh, so, that, so that's sort of the Vancouver, Vancouver situation. Um, uh, Co-op Housing Federation of Toronto, uh, they have a history as well with land trusts starting in the 1980s. Um, they've got about, uh, they've got something called the Co-op Housing Land Trusts that house over 10,000 Canadians in, in the greater Toronto area. Um, and the co-ops sort of run things on a day-to-day -day basis and, and they lease from the co-op housing land trust. And again, with the co-op model, the, those boards, um, the, their boards of directors are diverse and reflective of the people who live in the cities where they operate. Um, there's a lot of support for young leaders and um, and those those land trusts were, were formed to preserve and maintain and secure affordable housing. And, um, and, in, and in the Toronto area, um, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of incredible, uh, incredible co-op communities that have really helped to revitalize certain neighborhoods. You definitely cannot walk through the St. Lawrence uh, neighborhood without seeing, seeing co-ops there. So, um, so co-ops have really been enmeshed in, the, in the, uh, the land trust movement as well. But I do, I do also want to take a moment to, to really to highlight a couple of uh, community-led models. Um, there was a recent, uh, a recent announcement just a couple of weeks ago, actually, the Parkdale Neighborhood Land Trust in the Parkdale neighborhood of Toronto um, has, uh, has demonstrated the type of incredible support that can be generated at the neighborhood level. Their membership, um, resident and, and, uh, and community organization membership at, in Parkdale is, is awesome. And um, they were able to uh, just recently purchase uh, a, a 36 unit building that was at risk. Um, and they used an innovative financing solution from the uh, Van City Community Investment Bank and impact investors. So, uh, so really using the land trust model to innovate in that way. Um, and one other example, just since I'm on a roll here, um, the Glassworks Co-op used a land trust to purchase 46 acres in in, in Owen Sound. Uh, again, just this year announced. So, so we're seeing we're seeing real momentum with the land trust. Um, uh, having having good success of using innovative ways to to really secure land and protect affordable housing. Amazing, great work, and and you know, uh, great work to build on. Absolutely, and you have done that. Um, you have put together the Community Affordable Housing Solutions Land Trust. Uh, Josh, maybe you can tell us how this came about and what has been the result. What's going on? Yeah, so I mean. I, um, uh, 
so I came into the picture um, at Habitat uh, at the beginning of 2019. And uh, one day I got a phone call uh, from the city about, about uh, an ongoing discussion that was happening um, uh, at Bluer and Dufferin, um, where the city, the developer, and uh, the local community were kind of engaged in a negotiation on, on how to um, achieve the, the best outcome for the community. Um, and, the, you know, there was a lot of ideas, and a lot of discussion, but they had kind of come to a stalemate on um, uh, any possible solution. Um, so I was kind of along for the ride and, and uh, kind of one day called the developer on a, actually it was a Saturday. And I suggested, hey, what do you think about um, if you contributed X amount of dollars, in this case, it was $17 million um, uh, to create an affordable housing land trust. Um, and uh, it was probably a very quick, maybe 20 to 30 minute discussion uh, where, you know, we talked about the benefits and the impact uh, far beyond what we would kind of expect um, through community benefits on a site. And uh, they bought in pretty quickly and then uh, worked with the city and, and uh, the local community group to make sure that it satisfied kind of their objectives, which it did. Um, and then it came to, to you know, putting together uh, the actual the actual corporation of the nonprofit organization, which is now called CAS. And we recognized there was an opportunity that, you know, um, each nonprofit organization, whether it's in Toronto or across Canada, they have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, so Habitat has a lot of strengths, but we have a lot of weaknesses. And um, we recognized that uh, early on that it only made sense to partner um, with uh um, a rental provider, which is uh, St. Clair's, and uh, a co-op, um, a co-op housing provider, which is uh, the Cooperative Housing Federation of Canada, um, so that we could provide kind of a full continuum of housing, a full suite of housing. So um, we incorporated it in uh, 2020 as a federal nonprofit organization. Um, we're anticipating to get our first kind of advance of the 17 million dollars uh, this year. And uh, we have two projects currently um, that were awarded uh, open doors funding through the city of Toronto um, that we hope to uh, uh, break one of the, which we hope to break ground on this year. So uh, we've kind of uh, for a new nonprofit organization, I think we've, we've, we, during COVID uh, specifically, we've, we've, uh, we've gotten off um, to a good start and uh, we're currently having a number of conversations with um, um, a number of kind of developers and um, uh, other other organizations about how we can expand the mandate and uh, continue to build on what we've already started. Absolutely. And this question is for both of you. I'm just curious, you know, what are your hopes for this land trust in the GTA? Uh, Melissa, perhaps we can start with you and then Josh. Thank you. Yeah. So, so for Cass, like we really just, you know, we want to create beautiful places for people to live and work in to, to foster inclusion and, and, um, and, and create connections and, and, you know, at the end of the day, have healthy and, and complete communities. And, um, you know, we're as, as, as Josh, as you mentioned, like we're off to a really good start. Um, and, and, uh, and I would say that, 
when when we look to uh, when we look to Vancouver, you know, CHFBC they've really set the bar. Um, you know, we we've seen what they've been able to achieve in in you know eight ten years. So uh, so so why not set our set our sights there and say you know can we can we achieve you know two thousand homes in the next eight to ten years? Can we do that together? I say we can. Like why not? You know, we, we've we've replicated a model, we've iterated it into a Toronto context, and um, and you know, really, I really see this as a as a triple as a triple win. It's it it makes it easier for to for governments to partner with us um, because because as Josh mentioned, we're a we're a continuum of housing um, for for residents themselves. You know, at you know eight or ten years out. Um, it's really important, I think, for people who have traditionally been excluded from choice due to economic circumstance um, to have choice and to have options. So for residents themselves who are also, you know, um, accessing housing through the land trust, as their life circumstances change, they can also uh, they can also have sort of a single point of contact with us. And um, and uh, and and look for different housing as their circumstance changes. We can help to kind of broker that. Um, and then, of course, for for community housing providers, right? And 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 expanding partnerships beyond who we have right here. So, you know, transforming operations through the, these economies of scale that really allows us to do that. Um, you know, we're breaking down silos in the sector through these sort of mission-aligned partnerships. At the end of the day. Um, uh, it's a bit of an inside joke here, uh, Josh, but we want to build one ST of affordable housing. It's a unit of measurement, but it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it, uh, Melissa, it's, I was, I was wondering if you were going to say that or not, but it's definitely, I know when, when Melissa and I, you know, started talking about this early on before it was actually a thing, we said like, we just want to build, um, a bunch of affordable housing. So what's the what's the quickest way to build, you know, good quality, sustainable, affordable housing long term? Um, and I think what's interesting is like this process has been like what, you know, land trusts themselves are not unique. Um, um, but what is unique about this land trust is you have three different organizations with three different um, kind of uh, uh, tenure models. We have co-ops, rental and home ownership. And you know we're not going to change as organizations individually, but by coming together, um, I think we have a platform to 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 leverage each other's strengths and do way more. Um, so you know there was a bit of a moment where I was like, "Is this going to work?" Because you know we all have different objectives, but I've been impressed to see how we've come together, and you know we're collectively advocating for affordable housing. So sometimes it's home ownership, sometimes it's cooperative, sometimes it's uh, rental. Um, and I think the big thing is, you know, uh, we're going to look at how we can engage more nonprofit organizations, more private sector um, and government to uh, scale this model that, you know, we have three fantastic organizations uh, that are the founding members um, that have come together and, and are investing in this vehicle. Um, so I think there's a, a really bright future and, and uh, an opportunity for future growth and, and future partnerships with other other groups. I think that's great and excited to see where that goes. So where can people go to find out more about CHF, Habitat, DTA, and the CAS? Oh, I would say probably online. 
um, yeah, uh, the website for uh, Co-op Housing Federation of Canada. I don't, I don't have the URL off the top of my head, but but a quick search um, will will find us uh, find us there. Um, I think we also have a website up for for CAS, Josh. Yeah, so it's cahsolutions.ca. Um, it's still it's still a work in progress. We don't have any information about the two the two new projects that we're we're working on, but um, um, you know we're we're more focused on building affordable housing than building a website. But there is a website. Um, there's an email that you can reach out to us. It does go back to me. But I think you know if people are interested, they can just reach out to Melissa or myself. Or if they go online, they can see the the different board members and uh, happy to talk about it more. Fantastic. Thank you both. And if you want to find out more about Habitat GTA, I'm sure just head to their website. You know what that is, Josh? Is it habitatgta.ca? .ca. There you go. Makes sense. Thank you both for joining us today and for all the amazing work that you're doing to help uh, our country's most vulnerable. Thanks so much for having us. Well, Michael, that was really great. I think anytime we get to talk about, you know, something like land trusts or co-ops, I think it's exciting. And just, be, I think, oh, you know, by nature of having that personal connection, living in a co-op for six years was wonderful. I had a really great experience. It was a big community. You know, they took really great care. Everyone uh, was really involved and uh, just made sure to, you know, beautify, have a sense of community and that affordability, you know, I was able to save and have a kid and buy a home. I don't think that would have happened if, if I didn't have the co-op to, to as a foundation. Yeah, and it is much more than housing, right? If I hear you correctly, it's community. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. important. We know that housing is, is a huge part of ending uh, and preventing homelessness, but building community, um, if we want to have people retain housing, do what you just explained, uh, is a large part too. Yeah, because if I had lost my job, um, or, or if my husband, partner and I both lost our jobs, we would still be able to stay in the co-op. You just apply for subs subsidized housing um, and and you're not in threat of being evicted. It's, it's really, really great when you have that kind of rent geared to income model. And I think, you know, hearing having uh, such a creative, innovative way of having that social housing, you know, nonprofit, and then that ability to have some home ownership and, and rental, I think is really fascinating and I think we need innovation for our housing markets. <laughs> Absolutely we do. There is not one solution but land trusts definitely are part of that grand solution and LTs as we can now call them because we're so in the know uh, <laughs> due to the, the knowledge drop from Josh and Melissa. Two great guests uh, dropping knowledge with us. Another great episode. Thanks so much for joining. Yeah, I'll see you next week. See you then. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Yeah.
Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.